welcome to stat i'm telling you all medical true crime stories and it gets bizarre karen wickiam yeah she used to work in the r and now she's sharing the knowledge so let's get involved hey funny and scary at the same time medical mysteries all facts she ain't lying <laughs> so tune in the stat if you dare because crazy things can happen anytime anywhere <laughs> yeah Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to STAT, Shocking Traumas and Treatments. And I am your host, Karen Wickiam, coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Well, what craziness has happened in the last, well, month, couple of weeks, week, days? This coronavirus has hit us really hard. And Everybody's going through a really difficult time right now, a scary time, but we all need to keep our heads together and uh, just stay isolated physically as much as possible, but don't forget to reach out to one another and support each other in this scary but amazing world of internet. We still can be in contact, Um, Skype, FaceTime, telephone, text, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are able to stay connected. So I thought I would just touch on this for a minute to remind each other that through these difficult times that we are not alone and we're still here for each other. Um, And I will be doing some information on coronavirus so we know exactly what is the truth and not is the truth uh, in regards to how it affects people physically. But before I do anything like that, I wanted to get started on this Munchausen's series. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit technical because I want to be very clear and concise about uh, what this entails, what this is all about. And there may be some parts of it that uh, people will be sensitive to because it does involve other um, mental illnesses that cross over. To be clear, when I talk about the other um, illnesses that may cross over, I'm in no way saying anybody's suffering or all people suffering from this uh, do this, do these types of things. Uh, so please keep that in mind when I'm uh, talking about this. So let's move forward here. So Munchausen's and Munchausen's by proxy is characterized in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnosis and Statistical Manual, well, basically the Psychiatrist Bible, as a fictitious disorder. So let's start there with what a fictitious disorder is. It's often associated with malingering. So malingering is not a medical diagnosis. It's when people feign illness to get out of work, chores or responsibilities, oftentimes for profit, like WSIB, insurance benefits, etc. It can also happen when family members or caregivers falsely present others, such as children, as being ill, injured or impaired. Munchausen's and Munchausen's by proxy is a severe form of fictitious disorder. People with this disorder are not motivated by the desire for money or material goals. The goal is to seek attention. So they make up illnesses that gain the attentions of healthcare workers, friends, and now in this day and age of the internet, online supporters. Munchausen syndrome is named after Carl, okay, you ready for this? Carl Friedrich Hieronymus Freher. Baron von Munchausen. He was a character in a book created by Eric Raspi based on Munchausen, a real 18th century Prussian cavalry officer. So basically what he did 
is write books about this officer who would exaggerate his stories and his life and his battles and, and things like that. So it was kind of a perfect name to pick for it, if anybody was wondering, because I sure as heck wanted to know what a Munchausen was. And I didn't think it was from the Wizard of Oz. We belong to the Lollipop Guild. You know, the Munchausens. And, well, I'll, I'll leave that. So Dr. Feldman is pretty much the leading expert uh, in... Munchausen's. This is what he's based all his career on is a fictitious disorder. In fact, this is a quote from him. I am a psychiatrist, author, and expert consultant of Munchausen syndrome. It is the most severe and chronic form of my area of specialty, factitious disorder. So kind of <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> Sorry to uh, steal your thunder, Dr. Mark Feldman. Anyway, I, I gathered much of my information from him and a website that I gathered a lot of this information is munchausen.com. So you might want to go peruse there because there is a ton of information and, and, um, and cases that you can read. So let's start with Munchausen syndrome. So the warning signs and symptoms. There's a dramatic, inconsistent medical history. Unclear symptoms that are not controllable and become more severe or change once the treatment has began. Predictable relapses following improvement in the condition. Extensive knowledge of hospitals and or medical terminology, as well as the textbook descriptions of the illness. Presence of multiple surgical scars. Appearance of new or additional symptoms. Negative test results. Presence of symptoms only when the patient is alone or not being observed, like seizures or passing out, uh, diarrhea, nausea, those kind of things that, uh, well, you know, you can say you have, but not be witnessed. A willingness or eagerness to have medical tests, operations, or other procedures. History of seeking treatment at numerous hospitals, clinics, doctor's offices, possibly in different cities. Reluctance by the patient to allow a healthcare professional to meet with or talk to family, friends, or prior healthcare providers. Problems with identity and self-esteem. More comfortable being in the hospital than you would think anybody should be. Medical knowledge may be quite extensive for many hospitalizations or prior work. Some of the things that they might do, for example, is put blood in their urine or inject themselves with feces or put a tight rubber band around their arm or leg to cause swelling. They may feign cancer, cardiac disease, skin disorders, infections, ble bleeding disorders, metabolic disorders, and chronic diarrhea, etc., I think it's a good time for me to talk about uh, a case that I uh, worked with in the hospital. I was on a, it was a surgical floor for people that were, well, had surgery and then would have a long recovery from it. And there was a woman that had been there for, or in and out of the hospital for years and years, um, who was infecting her wound with her feces. She initially had abdominal surgery I forget exactly what it was. That was a long time ago. But um, her wound would never close and it was always infected. So this was years ago, like I said, but uh, she was just, she looked like she was 60, uh, a bad 60, not a good 60 when she was in her 30s. Her skin was gray. She just, she they had her on a whole bunch of antibiotics and 
painkillers and stuff like that. And she was just uh, a a woman who barely existed, uh, living off the attention of the staff and was a very difficult patient to deal with because you really wanted to help her. You really wanted to see her get better. But she was so manipulative and always had something... a reason or, or or something why she couldn't get better and she was very very demanding so you know one thing I learned in nursing school that and then early on as a nurse was that you don't have to like all your patients you have to treat them all well you have to give them 100% of what you have but you don't have to like them all and it's unfortunate because I didn't like this lady at all because she just you know a lot of personality traits that you just wouldn't like in a person Though I did have empathy for her because, you know, just because. So the cause of Munchausen's, it's not exactly known, but researchers believe both biological and psychological factors play a role in the development of the syndrome. Some theories suggest that a history of abuse or neglect as a child or a history of frequent illnesses requiring hospitalizations might be factors associated with the development of this syndrome. Some underlying mental health issues or mental health illnesses uh, include personality disorders, borderline personality, histrionic personality disorders. I'm going to get into how some of those underlying mental illnesses can affect or maybe be and um, help understand the cause of Munchausen, such as borderline personality. And that's where I say, like, give me give me a second to explain that. Um, the diagnosis for this is it's very hard to prove. It's very difficult because of the dishonesty. So a full psychological and physical assessment is done to rule out everything. And if nothing medical shows up, then they are sent to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Uh, they go through a thorough medical history and physical exam, labs, imagery, psychological tools to evaluate. Diagnosis is made from exclusion of actual physical or other psychiatric disorders or observations of the patient's attitude and behavior. Personality concerns are prominent and can make it that much more confusing to sort out the organic fictitious ideologies because, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to stick to their story. And if that's not working, come up with something else. So uh, most people with this don't seek out treatment or want treatment for it and backing up to the diagnosis is saying that well once everything's been ruled out they are sent to a psychiatrist you know that's just i don't believe the case so many people fall through the cracks and and don't get the proper diagnosis for this um but of course there are some that uh, some doctors do try to help treat So the treatment, like I said, it's very hard to treat. They will actively make up illnesses and actively seek out treatment for themselves. But they are unwilling to admit or to seek treatment for the syndrome itself. The outlook for recovery is very poor. The family needs to be educated. Uh, They need to have physicians limited to one or two working in tandem. Behavior modification is used to reduce his, her uh, misuse or overuse of medical resources. And they will try to work on the underlying mental issues, illnesses like psychotherapy, group therapy, CBT, and family therapy. There is no real medication that can be used to treat it. Maybe some of the underlying things like depression and anxiety, but that's got to be used with caution because they may overuse, uh, overdose, or misuse the medication. 
And the complications to this, well, I mean, they're as far reaching as your imagination can go in terms of someone inflicting harm on themselves intentionally. So head injuries, death, substance abuse, suicide. And there is no known prevention for this. So Munchausen's is a very serious, very difficult, and very frustrating mental illness for obvious reasons. One thing I thought was really interesting, when it comes to Munchausen's and Munchausen by proxy, I was looking into the how prevalent it is uh, in men versus women. Now, we mostly hear about mothers and Munchausen's by proxy or caregivers um, injuring or making sick their loved ones or children. So yes, women are the majority of the sufferers of Munchausen's by proxy, but it's men that are mostly prevalent in the Munchausen's category, believe it or not. So I was surprised by that. Maybe I'm just being sexist, but anyway, that is that for the Munchausen part of this episode. So let's move on to Munchausen's by proxy. So it is sometimes seen that Munchausen's by proxy is borderline personality plus fictitious disorder equals Munchausen's by proxy, or at least in some cases. So the, the psychological association between the two disorders is self-destructive behavior. It's observed in, in many people. I'm going to call it BPD. Uh, it may be uh, seen through self-harm and a pattern of illnesses, injuries, etc. through medications, procedures, or surgeries. In a number of cases, BPD and fictitious disorder appear to demonstrate a meaningful clinical relationship. Because of this potential relationship, it is important to evaluate patients with fictitious disorder for BPD. And when present, to facilitate the patient's referral to a mental health professional for the treatment of BPD. So instead of moving forward here with Munchausen's right away, let's talk about borderline personality disorder. It is a mental health disorder. People with BPD often have dramatic, emotional, erratic, and attention-seeking moods. This behavior is severe enough to cause problems with family and work life, long-term planning, and a sense of self. Many BPD sufferers are found to have childhood abuse, neglect, separation, sexual abuse, violence, a brain injury, or have direct family members with BPD. So the symptoms. Fears of being left alone, resulting in behaviors to avoid being left alone, like attention-seeking behaviors, injuries, illnesses, etc. Extreme and unpredictable mood swings and difficulty managing emotions or moods. Difficulty in relationships, dramatic swings, or viewing people as all good or all bad, very black and white thinking. Unstable self-image, impulsive behavior, excessive spending or promiscuity, uh, risky sexual behavior, gambling, substance abuse, and binge eating, all I would say can go under the ca category of addiction. Repetitive self-injuring through cutting, scratching, or burning. Feeling misunderstood, bored, and empty. Having deep-seated feelings of being flawed or bad in some way. Using defense mechanisms to avoid taking responsibility for behavior or to blame others. Problems with anger management as periods of intense, uncontrollable, and often unreasonable anger. Episodes of intense paranoia, dissociation, or thought patterns bordering on psychosis, often provoked by stress. And these are the things that are associated with BPD. 
depression, substance abuse, all the uh, addictions that I mentioned earlier, anxiety disorders, bipolar disorder, compulsive spending, you know, I said gambling, risky sexual behavior. The treatment for BPD is psychotherapy and medications. So helping them, the person to understand their behavior, uh, improve ability to tolerate frustration, anxiety, loneliness, and anger to help control impulsive behavior and improve social skills. Sometimes antidepressants, mood stabilizers, and antipsychotic drugs are given and have shown some success. So here's some of the um, different things that they can go to, CBT, DBT, uh, MBT, which is mentalization behavior therapy, uh, STEPS, which is a group therapy uh, called schema-focused therapy. I hadn't heard about it before, but uh, it helps them identify their unmet uh, emotional needs. So these are some of the treatments for BPD. So now that there is a better understanding of what that is, you can see why maybe some people with Munchausen's by proxy may have underlying borderline personality disorder. Okay, so like I said earlier, Munchausen's by proxy, uh, we're going to get into now, but it's also known as fictitious disorder imposed on another, FDIOA, that's a bit of a mouthful, and medical child abuse. It's when an individual falsifies or induces illness in another person to accrue emotional satisfaction, but this time vicariously. This is a form of maltreatment, abuse, or neglect, and Munchausen's by proxy itself is now classified as a mental disorder. This was a, a debate for quite a long time, whether it was more of a, a criminal um, type of disorder versus a true medical disorder but uh, maybe in this case it's both maybe it's a mental disorder that uh, leads to abusive criminal behavior okay so with mbp children are the usual victims and the mother is the usual perpetrator another thing i found really interesting right now is that the with the internet it's become more of a place for people with mpb to get attention and so this is called Munchausen's by internet or Munchausen's by proxy by internet. So as with anything, there are names, titles, descriptions of this. But yeah, it's uh, give them, um, people with MPB have a whole other way to reach out and get attention. So the children are usually victims and the mother is the usual perpetrator. They deliberately mislead others into thinking that they or their children have serious medical or psychological problems, often resulting in extraordinary numbers of medication trials, diagnostic tests, hospitalizations, and even surgery. So how does this manifest itself? What do they do? They may falsely report illnesses, like their child has a terminal illness or ADHD. They feign the child's illness by, you know, causing the child to have a seizure or stating the child has seizures that are never witnessed by pretty much anybody. They may have falsified lab results by adding blood or protein to the urine of the, the child's specimen. They may exaggerate a medical problem by claiming uh, an occasional mild back pain is crippling, like the child is bent over and, and can't function. They may aggravate an existing ailment by manipulating a wound so it doesn't heal. They induce an actual illness by injecting themselves or their child with bacteria to cause a raging infection. And they may dissimulate. Example, they initially avoid treatment so that 
a major medical problem becomes serious. Okay, so say the child is diagnosed as diabetic and they won't treat the child and then they'll go in when the child's near death. In variations of the root problem, some seek to be the hero or victim role rather than the sick role. The good news is that we know more and more about fictitious disorders and MPB. So by knowing more, we know what more to look into. And the level of interest is growing for whatever reasons, whether it's uh, fascination or because you're a medical professional or just a caring person and want to keep your eye out uh, for uh, children and, and others to make sure they're okay and to help them if needed. So in Munchausen's by proxy, as we talked about, it's the mother usually harming the child so they can look the hero or the victim of, you know, the effects of what's happening on their child. The child is severely abused because of this. Now, there are more and more stories coming out about mothers that have been uh, caught um, and charged with Munchausen's by proxy on their children and sent away for a long, long time. By that time, though, it's it's too late for the, the child to grow up with any kind of normal life and needing a whole bunch of psychological and physical treatment themselves. It, I think, is one of the most severe, if not severe, forms of abuse. I try very hard to be understanding towards this. I, I can't. Any child that's abused, it, it makes me crazy myself. And I just, I used to have maybe more empathy to try to find it. But now that I'm getting a bit older, I'm kind of like, you know what? Screw you. What the hell? And screw other people that don't want to get involved and just pass the buck on these on these cases, uh, social workers, etc. It goes on and on and on. So many of these children fall uh, in the cracks, but it's because these mothers are master manipulators and and you know what? I, I'm going to say psychopaths. So <laughs> that's my two cents on uh, Munchausen's by proxy and and what happens. Uh, but because of this effect on the children, sometimes you see the result of a child who's been in the hospital for most of their lives and getting major treatments and the attention they have received from that, they themselves having Munchausen's. The parents are, the mother is really good at convincing the child that they're sick or teaching them to behave a certain way. For example, your headache's bad, right, Tommy? Remember? You told me how bad it was. You remember? And then the child will recite what the parents said. Oh, yes, I couldn't see right. And I was dizzy and I threw up. And the child's almost convinced himself that this did happen or they just want to please the parent. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a case study here. It came from the March issue of a psychiatry uh, magazine in uh, 2006. And it's a study of fictitious disorders, including Munchausen syndrome in children and adolescents. Let's do a case study. Uh, I'm going to talk about this 15-year-old girl who engaged in a whole wide variety of medical deceptions to get hospitalized and, and get this attention, care, and concerned for her. After a whole load of tests and hospitalizations had been done, they lost track of this, this uh, teenager because she kept moving around. But they were able to do a 12-year follow-up on them. And this now talks about or reviews the case when the teenager is now 20 years old. And this is when it was 2006. 
They first falsified, they admitted to first falsifying symptoms at the age of eight to get attention and nurture and to feel special and to exert some kind of control over their life. Their parents had separated and divorced. Even before she was eight, she found herself envious of the care that people with serious conditions, including her diabetic father, received. She ended up living with her mother, who she felt encouraged her symptoms. She would report false flu-like symptoms lasting one day to a week that included nausea and headaches, and sometimes she applied heat to the thermometers to appear feverish or used her fingers to induce vomiting as a way to support the deceptions. The frequency of such illnesses compromised their believability, so at the age of 13, she began to report intractable migraines instead. She modeled her migraines on the authentic ones her new stepfather had. Tons of doctors and specialist visits followed, and she was put on medication and then subsequently adjusted to it being increased. The subjective nature of the pain, the fact that the experience of the pain cannot be refuted, led to an acceptance that the migraines were valid. At 17, she went off to college, and she had a general sense of independence, and those symptoms kind of went away. But instead of flat out having these full-fledged as a real medical problem, she reduced it from fictitious disorder to malingering to get out of work. She recently told her parents that her illnesses were fake, except for the migraines. She also used these lies to manipulate authority figures. They included false claims that her grandfather had died, that her mother had cancer, and that she had become pregnant and had a miscarriage. She said that she hated this compulsive lying, but she couldn't stop. She says now she feels a lot better, but is afraid that it will start again. So let's discuss this a little bit. Here comes uh, the more tricky part of treatment and outlook, that kind of thing. So it appears that she has traits of borderline personality disorder. Um, as we said, many patients with fictitious disorders have, but she didn't receive a, a formal diagnosis of BPD. And her current status or her status at the time was compromised by alcohol abuse and an unhealthy romantic relationship. So she seems more insightful about her illness and is motivated to change, but was not getting any care or help for it. So I, I thought it was important to present that case to give an idea because you don't often hear this um, from uh, a younger person uh, admitting to, to this kind of thing. So, uh, I guess this case study was, was helpful for, uh, doctors and uh, therapists to, to help unravel it a little bit. I have definitely dealt with at least one mother, uh, when I worked at the children's hospital who had Munchausen's, the child, uh, was born with CP and, but very mild, but years and years and years later. And, uh, she had been coming to the hospital and to the emergency room frequently for, like I said, years and years and years. When I had there, been there, she had already been going there for a while, so I was kind of new to the case. But uh, she was definitely creating worse and worse uh, symptoms for her child. Uh, so like I said, some with mild CP, she was uh, developing normally intellectually, as is the case in many, many situations with CP. And she had an unsteady gait um, and things like that, a coordination, uh, muscle development, different things like that. Uh, but these got worse and worse and worse. So by the time that I stopped working at that hospital and the last time I saw this child, she couldn't talk. She was blind. 
she um, basically couldn't communicate whatsoever, had had multiple strokes or brain injuries, seizures, etc. Um, she was on a feeding tube. Her, her whole muscles were atrophied and wasted. Uh, tooth decay, the skin breakdown, you name it. So this mother caused all these things because whenever tests were done, everything came back negative and then she'd come back with this and that and everything else. And oh my God, when you were there, she just hung off of every word and every bit of attention she could get, yet she was very um, argumentative and very demanding. And at the end of the day, this this poor child could have had, I think, as normal life as any one of us can or could. And yeah, this is this was happening. When I left, I, I honestly don't know what the outcome was, but the doctors were very suspicious. They were trying to, to deal with it. They were trying to get uh, social work and all that kind of stuff involved, but uh, really they weren't getting anywhere. And it's it just uh, disgusts me and makes me really angry that this child's life was ruined. So I'd like to see this woman in prison. Does that make me uh, uh, not an empathetic person? Not true. But they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And it's not like they black out and all of a sudden their child's having a seizure or oops, by accident, I injected them with insulin. They knew what they were doing. So there we go. That's my opinion again. and uh take it as you will but yeah here's the that's the 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 study on munchausen's munchausen's by proxy fictitious disorders uh and all that fun stuff i hope that this uh you learned some things from this and it helped clear up maybe uh some questions that you had if uh not please feel free to email me or maybe discuss it on the facebook page or if you disagree with some of the things i said email me as well so please Take care of yourselves. Take care of one each other. Love yourselves. And that's the most important thing at all. In these times, you know, let's let's try to follow what the, the medical directives are. Let's try to keep everybody out there safe and ourselves safe by, by not having too much close contact. But stay in contact with each other. Phone, text, internet. Come on the Facebook page and hang out. Just don't try not to feel mentally isolated because you're not alone. And remember that. I'll be back soon. Peace. One love. True crime and it gets none realer. Sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill you. Gotta watch out. Yeah, you gotta watch your back because you don't want to be another episode on stat. Thank you for tuning in. Learn a thing or two. These medical mysteries can be unbelievable. Yeah. Subscribe. Make sure you do that so you'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show. Stack.